Hello and welcome to my Discipleship Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chu, and each episode is designed to build your faith and help you discover your purpose in life. Now, enjoy today's message. Thank you so much. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. It's so good to be in church. A little background, my mom is from the Philippines. She emigrated out of high school. My dad is Chinese descent, but he grew up in South America and came to the United States. Is it okay if I speak in English today? You can understand me? I'm gonna do my best to talk in English. But I discovered, even though my passport says I'm a United States citizen, I'm actually a citizen of another country. It's called the Kingdom of Heaven. How many citizens are the Kingdom of Heaven? And I shared this in the first service, but I want to share it now before I forget. I was listening to the radio the other day, and the song came on, and I thought of your church here. The lyrics go like this. I'm not going to sing it. It says, it's a new season. It's a new day. You know that song? A fresh anointing, Jake's house. Church members, parents, children. A fresh anointing is flowing your way. It's a season of power and prosperity. We could use that after the global pandemic, amen? amen. Actually, what I hear in church, people are actually doing better. Because our dependence is not on the economy or, or our government. Our dependence is on heaven. Then it says, the devil's time is up. No longer can he bother you your children, your business, and your marriage, because the creator of the universe fathers you. Your debts are canceled. How many people want their debts canceled? Pay off that mortgage. You know the root word of mortgage? How many people have a mortgage? The root word for mortgage, it's two words. It's morte, meaning death. Gage is grip. Death, grip. Okay. I still have one of those. I need that death grip off of my family. <laughs> Debts are canceled and your children will walk in victory. So maybe your kids used to come to church and they're straying away, but they're going to come back in Jesus' name. It's available to you right now. Just taste and see. It's a new season. It's a new day. Give Jesus a hand. Now today, our foundational scripture here is Proverbs 3. Verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Okay? You see, your life today has been framed by the decisions you have made in the past. So if you're not happy with your present condition of your life, you need to start making some different decisions, some different choices. So today I want to talk about what I call life-defining moments. A life-defining moment is an opportunity that will impact your life in a great way. A decision that sets you on the right path for your destiny, your vision. It's one of those moments in life you'll always remember. If we look at the Bible, right, when Moses was at the Red Sea, right, he stretched out his staff and saved the Israelites from the Egyptians. Saul was on the road to Damascus 
He had a life-defining moment with Jesus, and he, thank God, decided to follow him. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he finally said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So as you're sitting in this room, you can think of life-defining moments that you've made in the past, whether good or bad. Hopefully, when you got married, that was a good decision. When you started that business, like our entrepreneurs right here in the front row, that they can give a lot of money into the kingdom. Pastor Terry, when he started writing, is impacting many people through his resources. During worship, I was thinking, gosh, I love Hillsong, I love all these songs, but Bjorn, I don't know if you're in this room, should be writing his own songs. Life-defining moments. And then the young lady at the keyboard, Robin, prophetic worship songs. I love Hillsong, I love Bethel, but how about some Bjorn and, and Robin, some Jake's house worship going around the world? So start writing, Bjorn and Robin, and stop disobeying the Lord. <laughs> Woo! All right. So I had some life-defining moments. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I got saved at age 28 at a Billy Graham crusade. That was a life-defining moment. I went to a church service like this, very similar altar call. God had called me into full-time ministry. That was a life-defining moment. When my dad died a year after I got born again, I remember getting down on my knees. I had this little blue NIV Bible. I was a baby Christian. I said, God, I don't understand what's going on in my life. My dad had a heart attack, but I'm going to stick with this Christian thing. Life-defining moment. So how do we make right decisions when that life-defining moment comes? Number one, you have to keep the vision that God's given you. So many people came forward today. They said, yeah, I got a vision to write a book, write some songs. Jeshu and I are talking about him writing some new books. I could see Jeshu is a premier voice, not just to Jake's house, not to this nation, but to the nations of the world. It's your time, my friend, to write those books that your influence will go beyond the Pacific Northwest, even beyond India and around the world. Pastor Terry is going to start doing video curriculums. So his teaching on prayer can get all over the world through video. Even Chuck and I were talking about that. All the stuff you've been preaching in Uganda and here needs to go beyond Uganda and here and to the nation of the world. We're not saying you're going to go anytime soon, but you're on the last leg of your journey in life. And as I just turned 57, I kind of break it up into thirds, like 30 years, 30, 30. So the first 30 years, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't do too good. These 30 years I'm in now, I'm getting to the end. I've done okay. But I want the last 30 of my years to be the best. The second thing we need to do to make the right decisions is to keep a kingdom perspective. And the last one, very simple, is to trust and obey. So number one, how do we keep the vision? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay, see, so when you have a vision, a dream, a purpose for your life, it's not just for you, okay? You guys make a lot of money. It's not just so you can have fancy cars. It's so you can impact other people. If you don't make a lot of money, you can't extend the gospel like you're doing now through your giving. 
So your vision is not just for you, it's for other people. So why or how do we lose our vision? Number one, the storms of life come. Global pandemic, right? Last year, let's see, March 4th, 2020, I just landed from preaching in the Middle East and Kenya. A week later, everything shut down. But I had to keep the vision. The storms of life come, global pandemic, politics, you're downtown Seattle, the center got all messed up, right? The storms of life. So I love here, if you could open your Bibles or just write this down. It's when Jesus calms the storm. Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. It says here in 35, As the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side. You see, Jesus was casting vision. He said, we're going to the other side. Wise, when your husband says we're going to do this, he's casting vision. And that's where the wife comes behind and supports him. Women were created to help. I talk a lot about this in my book, A Real Man, What Our World Needs Today and a Good Woman Deserves. The challenge is a lot of men don't have a vision for their life. So the wife gets frustrated because she has nothing to help. And when the wife tries to encourage the husband, hey, where are we going? Where do you see us in five or ten years? The husband gets mad and says, you're nagging me. Stop. Well, she's trying to help you, husbands, with her gift to encourage, to equip, and help you accomplish everything you're called to do. You see, when God put man in the Garden of Eden, he gave him a job to work. Everybody say work. Now, the work was not just to have a job to provide money for the family. That's good. The word work write this down, it's the word become. Man, you need to become who God's called you to be on the earth. Bjorn's going to write some songs. He's going to get a million downloads and pay off the church building here, Bjorn. <laughs> Verse 36, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out. And then it says, leaving the crowds behind. You see, when you get your vision, you say you're going to do it, you're going to have to leave some people behind. All the people say, well, you can't do that. I know you're past. You can't start that business. You don't have any money. You're going to have to leave some people behind. Say amen in that corner over there. Verse 37, but soon a fierce storm came up, COVID-19. High waves were breaking into the boat, political issues, and it began to fill with water. Things were not looking good. Disciples were on the boat. It was sinking. You get the doctor's report, you got cancer. Your kid's in jail. Your wife says she's going to leave. Now watch this. In verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat on one of those my pillows, right? <laughs> it says with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke up and they were shouting, teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? Things are going on in your life, your business, your ministry, and you're crying out to God, don't you care? He cares about you. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And that's what he's going to say in your situation. It says, suddenly, everyone shout suddenly. <laughs> suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. So maybe all hell's going in your in your family right now, but there's going to be a suddenly. About two and a half years ago, my wife was preaching in Mongolia. I get this letter from the IRS. It says you owe 
My boat was sinking. I didn't have $24,000. I was going to call Tom, but I couldn't find your number. $24,000. But then it suddenly happened. We get a call. We had some land we've been trying to sell for like 10 years in Boise, Idaho. We get a call. Hey, we want to buy the land. Suddenly, $250,000 cash. Everybody say cash. Who could use $250,000? Call Pastor Terry. <laughs> call the church. Jesus said to the disciples, why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. You're terrified right now in your situation. You don't see a way out. But there's going to be a suddenly, I'm telling you. It's a new season, a new day for you. You are going to go to the other side. Another reason why we lose our vision is simple disobedience. Sin in your life. Wow, it got so quiet. You remember Samson with the muscles and the hair? Samson had a great gift, anointed, strong and mighty, but he allowed the enemy to deceive him. He ended up losing his vision because of his disobedience and his sin. Judges 16, verse 21, you can go read it. Then the Philistines seized him, the enemy, and gouged out his eyes. He had no more vision. And they took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. See, if you live a life of disobedience, you're going to be in prison, bound by sin, bound by the enemy. Amen. I wrote here, if you don't keep the laws of God, there are penalties and consequences. Everybody say penalties and consequences. Does anyone have their passport with them? If you do, go to page six and section six. I was bored on the plane, so I was reading through my passport. This is what it says on page six, section six. It says, avoid violating foreign laws. Remember, while in a foreign country, you are subject to its laws. Penalties for violating local laws, even unknowingly, can be more severe in the United States for similar offenses. For an example, when I go to Singapore or fly through Singapore, there's a big sign there, drug traffickers will face death penalty. Okay, so if you go into Singapore and you're caught with drugs at a certain amount, it's automatic jail. No trial. You just go to jail. If it's a higher amount, they say you're a drug trafficker, so now you go to the next level, it's automatic death penalty. And you can't say, well, I'm a United States citizen. That, that's not how we do it in the U.S. They say, well, no, you are now in our country, our kingdom, Singapore. So I relate that as a Christian. How many Christians here? Before you were a believer, you didn't abide to kingdom principles. That's why I wrote this book, Essential Kingdom Principles for Everyday Life. You need to know what kingdom principles are. Because if you violate kingdom principles, you're still subject to what it says, even if you don't know what they are. So that's what happens in Singapore. You can be an American citizen. You could be from another country. But once you step into Singapore, you're subject to the laws. 
So the day you gave your life to Jesus and you said, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, born again, a saint, whatever it is, you are now have to uphold the laws of the kingdom. Well, so simple things like the Bible says you must forgive, otherwise God will not forgive you. So if you hold offense and unforgiveness, guess what? You break a violation of the kingdom and there's consequences and penalties. So that's the second reason people lose their vision, because they disobey God. They're in some type of bondage or sin. Somebody say amen. The second thing here, how do we make right decisions? We keep the vision. Number two, we talked a little bit about this, keep a kingdom perspective. Okay? You need a kingdom perspective. Jesus talked over and over about the kingdom of God. You know, we talk a lot about in church as pastors and preachers about being born again. Now, I believe in being born again. But you know, he only talked about it one time, and it was at night. He never talked to the mass crowds about being born again. Now, I believe in being born again. I'm born again. But we need to talk more about the kingdom principles that are written in the Bible. Someone say amen. So number one, when we face those life-defining moments, we keep the vision. Number two, we keep a kingdom perspective for that decision. And finally, the last one here, we simply trust and obey. That's the hard one. There's an old pop song in 1963. The title is Easier Said Than Done. Because sometimes God will ask you to do something that just does not make sense. Like when I was in Bible school, like a DI school, we had to go on a mission trip. It was $2,600 to go to Thailand. And I was in a church meeting like this, and they were taking up the offering for the, the missions program. And the Lord said, hey, take the $2,600 for Thailand and put it in the offering. And I was like, hey, get behind me, Satan. I rebuke that. I need the money to go to Thailand. Then the Lord spoke again. He said, Brian, put the money in the offering and you'll never have to worry about finances for your ministry again. And I felt the peace of God and the fear of the Lord at the same time. My hand was shaking. I put the check in the bucket. The usher was really happy. I was sad. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, I got to go to the school. I got to go see Pastor Kelly and tell her I can't go to the mission trip because I gave all the money to the visiting speaker. Can you help me out? Well, would you know over the next few weeks, God brought all that money in. So if he could do it for the Chinese preacher, he could do it for you. All the way from the back to the front. He's no respecter of persons. He's just looking for you to trust and obey. I love watching and reading the story of Abraham. He went through a lot of faith-building, life-defining moments, right? When he was 75, he said what? Leave your country, leave your family, leave what's easy. And Abraham went, not knowing where he was going to go. He trusted and obeyed. Does that make sense? And then he gets the promised son, Isaac, the biggest test of his faith. Would he keep the vision? Would he keep an eternal perspective? And he said, offer your son as a sacrifice. It didn't make sense at all. The, the thing that he was waiting for his whole life. How do we obey? How do we trust God when it doesn't make sense? 
I think we have a little time. I remember when we had our first child, Naomi, and then we, Melissa got pregnant again, but then she had a miscarriage. So we were trying the best we could for a second child. And it was about a year, nothing was happening, kind of like Abraham and Sarah. So Melissa said, well, I'm going to go to the doctor, make sure everything's okay, you know, with her body. So she went, and the doctor said, you're fine. She said, now it's time for your husband to come. I'm just a little weird with doctors. You know, I trust doctors. I, I, you know, I think they're great. So Melissa said, well, I went. Everything is good with my body. Now it's your turn. So I pulled the God card. And I said, honey, I said, I, I believe God wants us to just trust him. And she's like, we, are, we have been trusting him. I already went to the doctor. I'm good. There must be something wrong with you. I was like, oh, man, I've been drinking the kombucha, <laughs> the turmeric. I'm healthy. So I said, honey, I said, I really believe. Let's just trust God. Let's pray. Let's just give God one month. We'll get back to intimacy. We've been trying to do all this stuff in the flesh, you know, drinking coffee, doing all this crazy stuff. So I remember it was coming to the end of the one month, and I went to Croatia to preach. And I got back late at night, and the 30 days was up. And I remember walking into the house, and Naomi's room was at the front, and the light was on. So I went in there to tuck her in, and thank God there was a big sign on her crib, and it says, I'm going to be a big sister. So while I was in Croatia, Melissa found out she took the test that she was pregnant. So I don't know if I was more happy that she was pregnant or more happy I didn't have to go to the doctor the next day. <laughs> Easier said than done. He said, offer your son on the altar. The biggest test Abraham faced, life-defining moment. Genesis 22, verse 5. They're there at the bottom of the mountain. I've been to Israel, so I know many of you have been there. And he said, the boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there. And then we will come back. Now, worship, how many people love to worship? Worship is not just singing songs like we did earlier. Worship is your simple act of obedience. And out of our obedience to the Lord, we sing songs. And that's what they did. He passed that test. So God, even during this service or maybe when Pastor Terry came, up and talked about vision. God was depositing vision into you, resurrecting vision in you. But now it's that time to make a life-defining moment. How are you going to respond? Are you going to keep the vision? Can you keep a kingdom perspective even when the storms of life, even though the bill collectors are coming after you, your bank account says zero, are you still going to keep the vision? A suddenly is going to happen in your life. Can you trust and obey? And let's just reflect on what God is doing in your life today. Is there something that God has promised you and you haven't seen it yet? Is there something he wants to, you to lay down at the altar like Abraham and Isaac? Maybe something in your marriage, your family, relationships or business. Let's take a moment to listen to God's voice for his instructions. Let's keep a kingdom 
eternal perspective. That we can trust him even when it doesn't make sense. We would step out and obey what God is asking you to do today. Thank you, friend, for listening to this podcast today. You can visit my website and send me your prayer requests and feedback. And also to get more discipleship resources, visit www.nowhope.org. Until next time, I pray that you will stand strong in your faith. Have a great day.